set sail. We ask God's blessing on the most hazardous and dangerous and greatest adventure on which man has ever embarked. If you have any quirks, raise your hand if you have some weird personal quirks. Raise your hand if someone you live with has some weird <laughs> personal quirks. Okay, so I've got a weird one. When we lived up in the mountains of Arizona, we wouldn't get snow a lot, but when we would, sometimes it'd be like a foot or two because it was high elevation. And so we reached a point where we needed to get a, a bigger car. I had this tiny little Honda Civic two-door. It was awesome, but we had our firstborn kid. We had the heavy car seat, and with a two-door, it just wasn't working out. So looked on Craigslist, and I found this old four-door Toyota SUV called a Toyota Land Cruiser. It had a little bit of a lift on it. It had some big tires, it had a ton of miles, but I, I read that these things run forever. So took a risk on it, bought it, and it was awesome. I fell in love with Toyota Land Cruisers. Don't get me started on them. I will talk your ear off, okay? But there's a point to this story, okay? There's a little side detour about Toyota Land Cruisers, okay? The point is, it was fun off-road, but it was a blast when it would snow, because it was like I had a giant snowmobile, okay? And so I developed this sickness, because what happened is one day someone was stuck, and I had this tow rope, and I got to pull them out, and it was so fun, it was so fun that every time it would snow, I would just, I would bundle up and I would drive around town just looking for people who were stuck. <laughs> it was just so much fun, okay? So, you know, then we lived in California for a while. There was no snow. It was boring, okay? We're back here. Now there's snow, okay? So the other night, we were out uh, to dinner, my family and me, and it was when we had gotten some snow. We're driving back on these country roads, and I see a car in the ditch, Oh, man. And my wife saw me because she knew I had this in the back. She saw me. I was like, babe, there's a car up there. I think we can help him. I think we can pull him out. Okay. So we, we pull up and sure enough, the guy's there. And then like right as I'm getting out to get stuff set up, these two big Ford dually four by fours pull up. <laughs> they like knew the guy. They had dibs. They got to pull him out. So I haven't, I haven't yet gotten to pull anyone out in Indiana. If you get stuck in the snow, hopefully I will be nearby, okay? Great thing about Indiana is there's always someone with a truck to, to pull you out, okay? But I want to talk about the times in life when we get stuck. The times in life when we were cruising along and we don't know what happened, but somehow we're kind of stuck in the ditch, in life. Uh, sometimes it's an addiction or a, just a habit that you can't control, but other times it's relationships. 
I worked a lot of different jobs in journalism before I became a pastor. And I can remember some workplaces I was in where I just felt like, man, you know, they said it was going to be this, but now it's this. And my boss seemed nice, but now, uh, you know, and you just feel stuck. Anyone relate to that feeling where in a relationship you just feel stuck? I remember early on in our marriage, me and Mel came from totally different conflict resolution styles. I'm talking about fighting, y'all, okay? <laughs> and, and, you know, one of us came from a family that never verbalized any, con there was never any conflict. The other came from a family that verbalized lots of conflict, okay? And so when we first got married, there were times where we would be in a fight and we just didn't know how to fight in a healthy way. And there were times where we both just felt stuck. Anyone know that feeling? You know, sometimes in our relationship, sometimes in our workplace, sometimes with parenting, it's like, what do I do with this kid? We feel stuck. And today we're asking the question, what can you do when you don't know what to do? What can you do when in life you've slid into the ditch and you're putting your foot on the accelerator, but things are not moving, the tires are just spinning, and you're stuck? What can you do in life when you don't know what to do. We feel trapped at times, we get frustrated, but we long for freedom. Here's a positive way to ask the same question. How do you live a life of freedom? How do you live a life of complete freedom? In a world where our bodies do get sick, where our bosses are imperfect, where our spouses, believe it or not, have a sin nature and make mistakes. Come on. How do you live a life of complete freedom when you have to live with all these broken people, including our broken selves, how do you actually find a life of complete freedom? Anyone want to know the answer to that question? I do. I want to live a life of freedom. So as we always do here, we're going to look not to a human for our answers, but we're going to look to God. And God loves us so much that he's written down a guidebook for our lives. So we always, every week when we gather, we'll ask a question like this and we'll look to the word of God. What does he say? And here's what he says in Psalm 119, verse 45. God's word says this. I will walk in freedom. Why? Because I have devoted myself to your commandments. Now, your commandments is this idea of God's word. Sometimes we call it the Bible. Sometimes we call it scripture. It's this physical book we have that is historically verified. The cities and the people actually existed and lived. And, and it's a guidebook that tells us how to live life. And here's the big idea of this chapter. Psalm 119 teaches you and me this. God's guidebook directs me to a life of freedom. God's guidebook, the Bible, directs me to a life of freedom. Now, depending on your background, depending on your experience, you might think, that's weird. I always thought the Bible was about rules. I thought the Bible was about stuff you can't do. I thought the Bible was about making life narrower and smaller. But what many of us in this room have experienced is that the Bible, it actually makes your life open up and become more free. In fact, this, this word that we saw in that verse, Psalm 119, 45, is the idea of a, a wide open field. Uh, there's a verse in the chapter that says, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. And the reality is, this is a guidebook that leads you to a full and free life. 
When we make our own life choices, there's a verse in Proverbs that says there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end it leads to death. And the idea is, you know, everyone who had their first drink of alcohol and became an alcoholic, everyone who dies from lung cancer when they had that first cigarette, every, every man who has an affair with his secretary and it ruins his relationship with his kids and his wife, everyone who goes down a road like that that leads to destruction, when they take that first sip or that first smoke or that first touch, they don't realize it's going to lead to death. And God says there's a way that seems right to us. And if we just trust ourselves, we'll go on these ways that lead to death. But God has a way that actually sometimes at first seems, seems more narrow. Like what? I can't just do whatever I feel like. I have to kind of follow this little way. But as you go down it, it starts to open up and it gets wider. And instead of living a life of dead ends and burnt bridges and broken relationships, you have a life where your relationships start to thrive and it's like a wide open field and life opens up before you. This is what God wants for you. It's what I want for you. So Jesus loves us enough that he pulls us out of the ditch whenever we're stuck in life. And if you were here at Christmas Eve or if you were here at the beginning of this series, We've learned that you follow Christ to your fullest life. No matter where you're stuck in life, any pain he can heal. Any brokenness he can restore. He is a redeemer. And he came to set the captives free. Wherever you're stuck in the ditch of life, Jesus can pull you out. Now today we're learning that after he pulls you out, he doesn't abandon you. He gives you a map. He gives you a guidebook that says, here's how you live So in a way that you spend less time in the ditch and more time getting where you want to go in life. Let me give you guys a little towing tip, okay? If you're ever ever towing someone out or if you're ever being towed out, I learned this early on in my amateur towing career. (laughs) I learned that even if you've got a powerful truck and you've got a good four-wheel drive system and good tires, it makes a big difference if the car that's stuck does its part, Here's what I mean. If the car's really down in the ditch, you know, it's kind of high grounded, as we say, the the tires aren't really connecting. If the car, if nobody's in it, you need a really strong tow truck to pull it out. But if you've got like a normal truck, the best thing to do is to have someone sit in the car, turn the engine on, put it in drive, and actually very gently put their foot on the accelerator. And then as the tow truck starts to pull the stuck car out of the ditch, the stuck car's tires are able to start helping and it goes much, much better. It's much easier that way. I like that because that's a picture of us following Jesus. You know, we're saved by grace. We get our relationship with God, our forgiveness from sins. We couldn't have gotten ourselves out of the ditch. It's a free gift that we accept. Jesus came to us when we were stuck. He died in our place and he came to set the captives free. But then once he pulls us out of the ditch, he kind of says, now follow me. Follow me in a life of freedom. It's for freedom that you've been set free. I've pulled you out of the ditch, so now don't just go speed right into another one, but instead learn to live in a way that's free from the ditches. And as we often say here, the Christian life is not about perfection. We all make mistakes. And we will all at times veer back off into the ditch. But what we're learning today is there's a map, an atlas, a guidebook that can keep you out of the ditch more often. And whenever you find yourself stuck, can help you get back onto the road. So, um, 
I want to talk with you today, and I want to give you just four really basic ways, four steps to make God's word your life-directing guide. Uh, my wife and I were joking the other night about our kids and sadly how much they're on the screens. Like a lot of you guys, we work hard for them to not be on these devices and tablets too much, but it's still amazing how much they end up being on them as hard as we try for them not to be. And my wife and I were actually talking with a friend of ours who's in our same generation and, and we were realizing that we are the last generation that grew up without smartphones or the internet. Now, when I was in junior high, America Online came out, AOL, and we had these dial-up modems that would work through the phone line and make all these funny noises when you'd get on the internet. It'd be like, you know, finally you're on the internet, and now you can essentially, what is now texting, you could do on your computer. Okay, that came out when I was in junior high. And so I'm, I'm just old enough that I can remember what life was like when there was no internet, I remember what it was like to just ride my bike through the neighborhood, to go fishing and clean a fish, to play in a creek, to catch frogs. And we were talking about, you know, what will it be like for this generation that has only ever known screens? If there's ever like a massive power outage, (laughs) will they just lose their minds? They They won't even know like it's possible to physically subsist and live without a screen. Okay, it's possible. Okay, all that is just kind of a, a little tangent to say whether you use a map app on your phone that gives you turn-by-turn directions, or if you're old enough to remember a physical paper map (laughs) on which ink is printed on paper. In either case, what the map or the map app does is it tells you where to go. And of course, if you're on a long trip, there's times that you make a wrong turn, there's times that you get off track, but what you do is you just keep checking back. Am I going the right direction? Am I on the right road? And this is what we do with God's guidebook to us. We will at times, you know, oh, I was supposed to be going south and I'm going north. Or I got off in the ditch again. But what God's guidebook does is it gives you a daily opportunity to say, am I on the right road? Am I headed to God's life of freedom? So let's find four steps to live such a life. And the first one is this. I ponder my life choices... And I daily turn my steps toward God's plans. I mean, just like we were talking with an app on your phone for directions or a physical map, you check in from time to time. Am I going in the right direction? Am I on the right road? And so the idea with the Bible is you don't have to be some you know, really smart theological student and memorize whole books of the Bible. What this is is a guidebook to help you And whether it'll help you or not is up to you. Just like you could be driving the wrong direction and have a map in your glove box or driving the wrong direction and have an app that could tell you where to go. But if you don't use it, you're not going to go in the right direction. It's the exact same with God's guidebook. If you'll use it, it will lead you to a life of freedom. Here's how the text puts it in verse 59. I pondered the direction of my life And I turned to follow your laws. So I want to give you guys some really practical ways to do this. Uh, Really practical ways. Because sometimes we look at this big book and it can seem intimidating. You know, how do I read the Bible? Where do I even begin? So let me give you some very practical tools. And the first are some apps that you can use. If you are living a lot of your life 
on a screen, uh, you can bring God's word right there. And the first one is called the YouVersion app. This is a totally free app. You can get it and download it right now, I think. I think we have the bandwidth for you too, okay? You can download this right now. There are um, versions of the Bible where it'll read audio to you if you want to listen to it. There are reading plans in there. There are devotionals. It's a, a great tool if you're not yet in the Word of God regularly, okay? And let me give you a little, why does this matter? Well, it, it matters because God wants you to live a life of freedom. I'll, I'll tell you a little story. When I first started my journalism career, um, I was doing investigative work, and there was this kind of weird day. I had, I had done some stories where, you know, we found people cheating people or government officials who were lying and the stories came out and as a result the people got in trouble and but I was very young at the time I was 21 when I started and one day my editor called me and he said John you don't realize it but you're very worldly you really understand how people work and the whole time he was talking to me I was kind of laughing to myself because I knew that I'm not like a smart person what it is is I had this cheat sheet about how humans work called the bible it's this book that's made by the maker of humans and it explains here's how people work. Here's what motivates them. Here's what a typical person will do if they have access to a bunch of money and if they're dishonest they can take it, right? And, and I, I knew human nature because I was reading the word of God. And, and here's what's really interesting. Uh, the book of Proverbs in particular, it tells you here's how to have a successful life. You could be here, you might not even believe in God yet. If you would read a proverb every day, you'll be more successful in your career and in your relationships. And what has happened in my life is I've seen that the word of God is true in my real tangible life, in my career, and my relationships so much that it has convinced me that it's also true when it talks about eternity and the supernatural and the unseen. Um, you guys know who John D. Rockefeller was? John D. Rockefeller was one of the richest people who ever lived. He was kind of like the Bill Gates or Elon Musk of his day. He once said, I will pay more for this one skill than for any other skill. I will pay more for a person who knows how to get along with people and motivate people than any other skill. Because as he ran multiple businesses, he realized the most important skill in life is the ability to get along with other people. You can't be very successful in business if you can't get along with other people. And what's incredible, the book of Proverbs in particular, it teaches you, here's how you get along with people. Now, as you keep reading, hopefully you come to a place where you say, oh wow, this God is real. And he says, my most fulfilling life isn't just about getting for me and acquiring for me, it's about serving others. And you experience full freedom. But I wanna encourage you, whether wherever you are in your spiritual journey, if you will start reading the Bible every day, it will actually improve your life in the most practical ways. So what I'm doing right now, I want to give you, I want there to be no barriers, okay? Only you can decide if you'll actually start looking to the guidebook. But I want to give you lots of tools so that when you leave here today, there's no reason why you couldn't start reading a little bit of the Bible every day, okay? Here's tool number one. Tool number two is called the Blue Letter Bible. It's also an app. This is a great tool if you have been reading the Bible for a little bit and you want to go a little deeper. What I love about the Blue Letter Bible is you can tap on any word and it will show you the Hebrew or the Greek word from the original language and it'll give you the definition in English and where else it's used. It's a really great way to go just a little bit deeper in your study. 
For example, when I told you from Psalm 119 that the idea is about a wide open field, well, that's from a Hebrew word, and I knew that because of this app. You can use it on your phone. You can use it anytime. Here's another tool. The, oh, by the way, that one's free. Audible, the app is free, but Audible, you do have to pay for the books on this one. The Audible app, it's from Amazon. And even though you have to pay for the books, I use it all the time because it's a great way to listen. Remember, uh, think about this. The ideas that have gone into your mind have shaped who you are. And they've shaped where you are in life. And what God says is put my ideas in your mind and you can become the best version of yourself, okay? So what we're trying to do is we want to inject the word of God into our minds as much as we can. So for me, I love listening to it. So I use the Audible app a lot. Here you see the NIV Bible. It's professionally narrated. I've also got the message on there. The message is like a paraphrase. It's not a word-for-word literal translation, but it gives you the gist. If you want to know, like, what's, what is the book of Ephesians about? If you listen to it on the message, you'll get in about 10 minutes, like, oh, that's what it's about. That's the heart of that book. So whenever I'm driving, whenever I'm working out, if I'm, you know, mowing the lawn, snowblowing the driveway... Anytime I'm out and about, if I'm not talking to someone, I'm usually listening and getting the word of God into my mind that way because I've experienced over and over again when I fill up on the word of God or even on Christian books that are written by an author who sees the word of God as as the authority, then it changes the way I see myself and it changes the way I see the world and I end up living a life of freedom instead of a life of slavery. I want to give you just a couple more really specific um, tools, things that you can use. And the next is, um, well, the next is actually getting yourself a physical Bible. If you don't have one, you should get one, okay? And if you don't have one and you can't afford one, let us know. We would love to buy one for you if you can't afford one. This book has changed my life. This book can change your life. We want to give you, if you don't have one, um, a life application study Bible. What the Life Application Study Bible is, the Word of God is where the power is. The Study Bible part is there's these little notes under the verses that kind of say, here's what it means. And the reason I would recommend this one is that theologically, the people are trustworthy who put together the Life Application Study Bible. They're trustworthy. And the emphasis of this particular Study Bible is all about how do you live it out, You see, we transform when we obey God's word. There are people who've memorized lots of the Bible and they know it in their mind, but their life hasn't changed. They don't know freedom in their relationships or in their personal life because they haven't obeyed it. It's all about just stepping out and doing what it says. So for me, when I was in high school, someone gave me a life application study Bible, and that is the book that has changed my life, has defined my life, It's the book that taught me as a journalist, here's how to get along with your bosses, here's how people work, here's what to look for, and here's how the world works, here's how you work, here's how you become the best version of yourself. Okay, now, let's say you get a life application study Bible or some other Bible, or you go with the audio version or the app, you probably feel, or at least many of us have felt like, okay, I don't know where to start. In fact, I can almost guarantee across this room, there's some of you, you've had times in your life where you were reading chapters of the Bible a day and you've just kind of gotten out of that habit and God's going to use this message to remind you like, oh yeah, that's where the power is. But there's others of us in here who you're like, I don't even know where to start. Or maybe I did start. You know, some people start at the beginning, which seems logical. 
I don't know why, I don't know why the Bible got put in the order it did, okay? It's not totally chronological, but you, you, you start at the beginning in Genesis, and it doesn't take too long, and you're reading these, like, weird names. They're talking about, like, animal sacrifices and battles and just weird stuff. And a lot of us have had that experience where it's like, okay, I, I want this guide for my life. I'm going to get into it. And you, you really make an effort. And then it's like, okay, I, I have no idea what that has to do with my life. Okay. So what I want to do right now is I want to tell you where to start. And if you think about this, think about a baby. Okay. Some of you have got babies right now. We've had babies. Okay. Um, a baby, when they're born, they don't typically have teeth. Every once in a while you get one that does. Okay. But typically they don't have a lot of teeth. And so you don't start them off with steak. No matter how much you love steak, when you've got a newborn baby, you don't start them off with steak because they don't have teeth. Even if they do have teeth, they don't know how to chew it yet, okay? So you start them on milk. And the milk makes them stronger, and as they get stronger, eventually they're able to go to that nasty puree stuff that we do, baby food. Gross. And then eventually they get stronger and stronger, and they can actually become meat eaters, or vegetarians if you prefer, okay? But they can, you know, they work their way up to the steak or the artichoke or <laughs> tofu, Lord help us, okay? But they work their way. It's the same with the Word of God, you know? A book like Leviticus that talks about animal sacrifices and weirdo, you know, it's part of God's Word. There's a lot of meat in there. But you don't want to start there. You want to start with the milk, okay? So let me tell you three milky places to start. And you don't have to outgrow these. I mean, I still have a literal glass of milk every day, even though I also eat meat, okay? And these are three places you can read these for the rest of your life. You'll never outgrow them, but it's also great for a beginner. The first is the book of Psalms. If you don't know how to spell that, it's on your outline, P-S-A-L-M-S. It's not how it sounds, Psalms. And what, what, here's what's great about the Psalms. The Psalms are all about our emotion and our struggle, our fear and our anxiety. The Psalms are written by people who have sinned and they've messed up and they're not sure, God, are you going to forgive me? And they pour out their heart to God and they find that God is a God who always forgives. He's a God who's patient and compassionate. The Psalms are written by people, like there's a Psalm, one of my favorites, the guy is trying to follow God and do the right thing and he essentially says, God, there's these people who hate you and they slander your name and they all live in like huge paid off houses and drive brand new fancy cars and I'm trying to follow you and I'm sick and my life is falling apart and I can't even afford rent at my apartment and that's how the Psalm starts essentially. He's like, God, I'm frustrated because I'm trying to do the right thing and life is hard. And most of the Psalms, they deal with these very real emotions, but they lead us to take those emotions to God and God reshapes our heart and gives us the guidance we need. So, so starting with a Psalm, if you want to write that down, the next place to start is a proverb. And I mentioned before how practical the Proverbs are, even if you're not a believer yet, even if you don't believe in God yet, it'll help you out in your business and your life. Here's what's great about the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters, just like there's 30 or 31 days in most months. So every day, no matter what, you can just look at your phone or look at your watch. If you're like me, I still have an old school watch and I see it's the 21st today. So I opened a Proverb 21. If you look down, it's the fifth. You open to Proverb chapter five. It's called the Proverb for the day, 
okay? Now here's another place you can start is in Jesus' words. So the Gospel of John, um, and you just remember that weird, that weird nerdy lead pastor at that church I've been starting to go to, his name's John. There's a book of the Bible named the same thing, okay? And it's all about Jesus, and it's one of the best books, one of my favorite books of the Bible, okay? It's a great place to start, okay? Now I want to give you guys the secret. Are you ready for the secret? Someone told me this when I was in high school and it totally changed, totally changed the way I read the Bible and as a result changed my life. They said this, just read until you get to something you can apply to your life that day. In other words, here's a good, here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to say, I'm going to read 10 chapters a day and you do it for about three days and day five or six, you get busy, you don't read your 10 chapters and then you're like, oh, I failed. Why am I even trying? And you quit. Because you, you set a goal that was maybe not realistic to start with, okay? Here's what changed my life. You just read until you get to something you can apply to your life, okay? So if you have an app or a Bible, let's do a little test run. Turn with me to Proverb chapter 21. Why? Well, it's the 21st. So this is what I did this morning. I woke up. What do I do when I wake up? I opened a proverb, whatever the date is, okay? Proverb 21. What does verse 1 say? Verse 1 says, The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. Okay, now here's what I do. I've got a, I've got a little journal like this. You can get these really cheap anywhere. And I just, I write down the date, you know, January 21st, 2018. And then I just write Proverb 21. And I just read until I get to something that applies to my life. Now, let's say we were talking earlier about when you're stuck at work and you've got a boss that is just a liar or dishonest or manipulates people. And you're like, ah, I I like my job, but I don't know if I can keep doing it with this boss. You open up to Proverbs. It says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. How does that apply to my life today? Well, there's kind of like a king in my life. There's a boss who's in control of my schedule and my life. And, oh my goodness, that boss's heart is in God's hand. You know, God, I hadn't realized that. You could change my boss's heart. I can't, but you could. And I guess if my boss's heart is in your hand, maybe my heart is too. So God, will you change my heart however it needs to change? And will you work in my boss's heart? And what I do is I just write that out with a pen. You know, so I'd write Proverb 21, verse 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. God... You know how frustrated I am at work. I pray that you'll change my boss's heart and I pray that you'll change my heart and lead me to the best situation. And you know what? You might be done. You might just, that might be it. You got to something that worked in your day. Now you take that with you, that one verse, that one idea, and you you take that with you into the day. And then the next day you open your journal again and you look back and say, what did I learn yesterday? Oh, oh yeah, about my boss's heart. And then you just pick up. Proverbs chapter 22. Or uh, if you're doing a psalm, what I do is I just mark what verse I left off on. You know, let's say you get to a verse that says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And you're like, oh, that's, that's my verse today. I've got some enemies in my life today. I need to love them. I need to pray for them. You write that down. Let's say that was verse 34 of a chapter. The next day you pick up, it's like, okay, now I just read verse 35. And you go until you get to something that applies to your life. Some days it's 10 verses in. Some days it's one verse in, okay? Uh, Let's do another example here from Proverbs 21. Let's say verse 1 didn't speak to you. You're like, that's weird. King's heart, hand, Lord, whatever, okay? And you keep going. 
you get down to verse 5. And verse 5 says this, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. This is a life truth that you can use in your career, no, no matter what you believe about God. And so, I mean, I think almost all of us would say, yeah, I want a life of, I want the first life, not the second one, okay? And you take that with you into the day. And as you start to do this on a daily basis, you'll find, okay, I read that proverb. Then I had a meeting with my business partner. And my business partner was like, hey, if we take this shortcut, if we take the shortcut, we could really, you know, get a really quick gain. And, you, and God brings the verse back to your mind. You're like, oh, no, no, good, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, not impulsive ideas, okay? And, and so you, God gives you that wisdom. Are you, are you guys understanding what I'm saying? So you just read until you get to something that applies to your life. And the great thing about the Life Application Study Bible is there's little notes underneath that help you and say, here's how this applies to your life, okay? I'm going on and on because I get so passionate about this. I'm just... Okay, so here's my advice. Pick a time of the day. If you're a morning person in the morning, if you're a night owl before you go to bed, if you have a consistent lunch break where it's like, hey, I've got an hour, I'm by myself, I'm either watching stuff on YouTube or wasting time while I eat my lunch, that might be your time where you just say, I'm going to have a time every day where that's my time with God. And whether you have a physical journal like me or not, what you do is you kind of open up your heart to God and you say, you start by praying and you just say, God, here's the stuff in my life I'm stressed out about. Here's where I'm anxious. Here's where I'm afraid. Here's where I'm excited. Here's where there's an opportunity if I'm not, I'm not sure if I should take it. Here's where I don't know what to do with my kids. You just kind of lay that out to God. In my journal, I just do it with bullet points. Like, God, here's what's going on today. You know, career, family, finances, health. And then you open up the word of God and you say, now God, speak to me. And you start with a psalm or a proverb or the gospel of John and you just go until he speaks to you. And then you write that down. You take it with you for the day. And you start to do that. And just like milk, your appetite will start to grow. You'll start to see that it works in your career. It works in your marriage. It works in your classroom. It works on your sports team. It works in your parenting. And as you see it work, your appetite will get a little stronger. And eventually you'll look back and be like, whoa, I, I just read a whole chapter. I read two chapters, you know, but it's not about how much did I read. It's about how much am I obeying? How much am I following? Because it's a guidebook to lead you to your life of freedom. Okay, step number two, commit beforehand. I will obey God's commands no matter what. In other words, I'm not reading the Bible to say, do I, does God meet my approval? Does his word meet my expectations? In other, I'm saying that's what's right. And if I disagree, I'm the one who needs to change. <laughs> it's kind of predetermining. For example, if you're married, there are certain choices that you make beforehand. When, it, when you're married, here's a very important choice to make beforehand. I'm choosing now that if the opportunity ever arises for me to cheat on my spouse with someone very attractive, I'm choosing now that I will say no to that. I'm making a predetermined choice. Okay, and it's what you can do with the word of God is say, I'm choosing now that no matter what it says, I will do what it says. It, with all my different desires, with all my different lusts, you know, I, sexually I'd like to fulfill myself this way, but God says be faithful to one marriage partner, I'm going to do what he says. Financially, I think this would be best, but God says do this, I'm going to do what he says. And again, remember, Satan, your enemy, wants you to think your way leads to freedom, 
But look down the road at the other people who just do whatever feels good. <laughs> it leads to death relationally and sometimes even physically. God's way, though it may seem constraining at the beginning, actually leads to freedom. Why? Because you're not in the ditches of life. You're actually on the highway of life. Verse 57 says this, Lord, you are mine. I promise to obey your words. And it's just this decision of God, I'm going to obey your word. And as we've said, it's not about doing it perfectly, but it is about doing it faithfully. We will all mess up. We will all get back in the ditch. We will all get off track. But we look back to the word of God and say, this is my standard for how I get back on track. I've pre-decided, as imperfect as I am, God, I strive to obey your word. Well, did you guys know that when an NFL team goes out onto the football field, they typically are carrying a book with them? It's called a playbook, and here's a picture of it on Andrew Luck's wrist. Uh, it's right here, and this is a summary of the team's offensive plays. Now, of course, all the athletes have memorized this, and that's part of as you're walking with God, you'll start to actually memorize parts of the guidebook. So when you're in a situation, it comes to mind. All the athletes know the play, but the quarterback has this little cheat sheet because here's why this is important. In the emotion of the game, in the drama and the competition, and if there's a crazy situation, he's like, I don't know what to do. He knows smart people have already thought about what to do. All I need to do is run the proper play. And it's exactly the same in life. It's exactly the same in life. There's this guy named Tony Dungy. Have you guys ever heard of Tony Dungy? <laughs> Tony Dungy's a Jesus follower. He's a man who has lived his life by this guidebook, the word of God. And here's what he writes about this. He says, running an offense requires faith. A quarterback has to throw the ball to a spot before the receiver has even started to run there. And he says, if the quarterback relies on what he sees instead of his faith in the plan, he won't throw the ball. And if the receiver relies on his senses instead of the plan, he won't be there. They both have to operate by faith because they know the play, trusting that the ball will arrive at the right place at the right time. And if they don't operate by faith in the playbook, then they'll have an interception. And Tony says, that's how life works too. We have to trust the assignment God has given us is the right one, whether it looks like it or not in the moment. So I talked at the beginning about the times in life when you feel trapped. And I shared that at the beginning of my marriage with Mel, we've been married for 10 years now, at the very beginning, we had such different fighting styles. There was a time where we both just felt like trapped. And we looked at some of our peers from college and high school who after three, four years of marriage would just throw in the towel and get a divorce and give up. And here's the reality. If we weren't followers of Jesus, that's what we would have done. We would have given up on it because it was so hard. But we had a guidebook that says, here's what you do. You stay faithful. Here's what you do. You look to God. Here's what you do. You surround yourself with other Christians who've been in that situation and you ask them for help. And as we surrounded ourselves with other believers and as we looked to the word of God, he changed both of us. And now we're in a place, I don't know how you rate marriages, if it's a scale of one to 10, but it's like now our marriage is like a 10 in every category, you know, emotionally, spiritually, physically. We are connected, fulfilled, satisfied in every category, but it didn't happen overnight and it wouldn't have happened if I did what I wanted to do. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Instead, you follow God's path 
and it leads to freedom. It's not always an easy journey, but it leads to freedom. You trust the playbook more than you trust your emotions. Step number three, I side with God's word when the culture around me calls it foolish. I don't have a ton of time to develop this, but if you look back at every world culture, Egypt, Rome, the Soviet Union, they all have had problems. Most of them have had slavery. Slavery was a global norm until very recently when Christians actually led the charge to eliminate slavery. But you look back at every world culture, you look at Nazi Germany. How were these people who were, you know, bakers and school teachers part of a holocaust to kill millions of people? Well, they went along with whatever society says is good is good and whatever society says is bad is bad. But when we look at history, every society has been messed up. And so we decide if society says something is good, but the Bible says it's bad, I'm going to go with the Bible. And if society says something's bad, but God's word says, I'm just going to choose, I'm going to side with the word of God. And we apply this even when our emotions don't feel like it. So society says, hey, somebody wronged you, you should hate them and be bitter and insist on, insist on you know, punishing them. Well, God says, yeah, justice is important, but I should also love my enemies and pray for them. So I'm going to do what God's word says. I'm going to love the people who've wronged me. I'm going to fight for justice in the world, but I'm also going to pray for the people who are persecuting me. Step four, I trust God's word more than I trust myself. I trust God's word more than I trust myself. I'll show you guys a picture of a guy named Timothy Treadwell. Timothy Treadwell believed what he was taught in school and it is a message that a lot of people are being taught across the country through media, etc. right now and that is there is no right or wrong, only you can decide what's right for you, follow your heart. So Timothy Treadwell did that and his heart said that grizzly bears are not dangerous. And so Timothy Treadwell, he actually became a celebrity. He was on Letterman, he was on Late Night, he was on Dateline, because he would go up to Alaska, to the Yukon, and he would hang out with these grizzly bears. And he just had this whole book and this life story of, you know what, I followed my heart, and it turns out grizzly bears are actually very docile and friendly, and he took all these pictures with him. And, and you know, what happened is in 2003, he would hire a bush pilot to go in and drop him off and he would spend the summer there with the bears. Well, when that bush pilot came to pick him up, big surprise, Timothy Treadwell was no longer there. There were some shreds of his tent. They then, the park rangers did an investigation and inside of the bears, they found what was left of Timothy Treadwell. It's a very dramatic example, but it's a real example that there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end it leads to death. And, and God says, you can live your life always just doing what you feel like doing, but it will land you in the ditch. And for a lot of people, it costs them their actual lives. But God says, I've come to set you free. I've come to pull you out of the ditch now go and live a life of freedom. And here is a guidebook that you can use every day of your life to lead you to a life of freedom. So what have we learned in this series so far? How do we launch into a successful new year? Well, step number one, we follow Christ to our fullest life. Christ is our leader. Each of these are true of us individually. We get to make this choice. Only you can make this choice. Each of these are true for us as a church. We're not following a lead pastor, ultimately. We're following Christ as our leader. 
Secondly, we learned love is our anthem. 1 Corinthians 13 taught us if you reach all your other goals, if you have financial success, but you haven't loved people, you will find that your life is empty and you didn't actually succeed. But if you make love your anthem, and if we love people, then even if we don't reach some of our other goals, we will be a true success. And that's true of us as a church as well. And third, what we've learned today is that the word is our guide. And we decide in my marriage, in my parenting, in my workplace, in my school, and as a church, the word of God will be the standard for what we do and believe. When it says to go left, we go left. When it says to go up, we go up. When it says to go down, we go down. It's the standard for what we do and believe. It's trustworthy. It's proven. You realize that Martin Luther King Jr. was a pastor who studied the Bible and used the Bible as the guidebook for his life? How could he be so fearless in the face of opposition? How could he fight so courageously for justice? How could he respond to people who tried to bomb his house, who tried to kill him, who ultimately did, and would say, love your enemies to his followers? Because this was his guidebook. It's been a guidebook for all sorts of people throughout history. Abraham Lincoln, Harriet Tubman, all sorts of people who, like you and me, they weren't perfect. But because they surrendered their life to a guidebook that is perfect, it made them the best versions of themselves. I want you to imagine with me what your household would be like, what your extended family would be like if everyone in your family lived according to this guidebook. If everyone was a person who spoke the truth, who was honest, who was forgiving, who was patient, who was kind, who was loving, and who assumed the best, how, how great would your house be in mine, right? Imagine that. That's what God wants for us. Imagine what your workplace would be like if everyone in your workplace did what this guidebook says. Imagine what your marriage and relationships would be like if, if everyone in your relationships did what this book when it says when it says treat others as better than yourself. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Love your neighbor. Pray for those who persecute you. Imagine a community where every boy and girl grows up knowing mom and dad aren't perfect, but they're Jesus followers. And because they're Jesus followers, I know they will always be together. And I, I see my friend's parents getting divorced, but I know I will never have to go through that because of the guidebook that my parents follow. Imagine a community where all the little girls are treated with love and dignity and respect. And all the little boys, no matter what a girl looks like or sounds like or does or doesn't do, all the boys treat all the girls with respect and dignity because they're daughters of the king. They're princesses of the king. Imagine a community like that. Imagine boys who grow up with dads who are strong but flawed and they know, my dad makes mistakes but when he loses his temper, he comes back and he asks me to forgive him because my dad lives by a guidebook that makes him the best version of himself. Imagine a life where every time you feel trapped or stuck, you know that you have a mentor, a map, an atlas, a guide to help you get out of that ditch or that situation in your life. If you will listen, God will lead you in this kind of life. What shapes your life shapes your thoughts and God's guidebook can direct you to a life of freedom. Can I pray that for you now? Father, I thank you that your word is powerful, Lord. It's not just some book, it's living and it's breathing. And Father, as I have invited it into my heart, I've seen you change me for the better. 
You have made me a freer and fuller and more fulfilled man and person because of your word. And Lord, I just desire that for everyone in this room. I want them to know this freedom. I want them to know this joy. And so Lord, as we start a new year and as we're choosing to follow you and to love each other, Lord, will you just make us people of your word, make us people who love your word. And across this room, Lord, I just pray that we'll each take that little step to say, I, I'm gonna pick a time, whether it's in the morning or on my lunch break or at evening, I'm gonna pick a time and I'm gonna start with the proverb for the day or I'm gonna start with the psalm and just every day I'm just gonna read until there's something that applies to me and then God, I just pray that you'll help, help everyone to actually do that and as we do that, Lord, will you, will you help my brothers and sisters to know the freedom of life in you? Jesus, as we take communion in just a minute, we thank you that you pulled us out of the ditch of our sin. Thank you that you have set us free. Thank you that every week we can gather here and check the roadmap and say, am I following you? So Lord, where there's areas of our lives where we've gotten off track, pull us out of the ditch today. Get us back on your highway. We pray it all in Jesus' name, amen.